0: Dear Father in Heaven, Thou art a powerful, powerful God, far above our imaginings. Uh, just first of all, by the evidence of Thy creation, what being could call all this into being, all this in, this creation into into being? What what kind of person or 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 force could do that? It had to be have been an almighty, all-powerful God, and we know now in our hearts Thou art a powerful God too a God that, that can move and convict, a God that can uh, set us on our feet, set us on a solid rock, a God that can establish our ways and our goings if we but turn to Thee. We serve a powerful God who is not bound by any circumstance or any, any situation, and in fact, a God that is using these circumstances and using these situations for Thy glory. Dear Father, we who are Thy children we revel in this knowledge in this this truth that we have dear father help us to live it help us to live in a way that is it's evident that we believe there is a god above all who is controlling all things for his glory and is glorified in a special way by those that choose to follow those that that give their lives to him dear father this morning hour as we open thy word we pray for the the conviction and the, and the moving of thy spirit thy powerful spirit that he would break down barriers, that he would reveal to us where we're holding on to things that we now have a choice to let go of, or things that we now, through thy word, have a choice to lay hold on. Dear Father, help us to do that this morning hour. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. For the meditation this morning I'd like to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36 starting with verse uh, one. I'd like to read the whole chapter. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defensed cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Rebshaka from Lachish, 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 I guess it is, Lachish to Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the Fuller's field. Then came forth unto him Eliakim, Hilkiah's son, which was over the house, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, Asaph's son, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Say ye now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? I say, I say sayest thou, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt. Whereon if a man lean it will go into his hand and pierce it, so is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all that trust him in him. But if thou say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and said to Judah and to Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar? Now, therefore, give pledges, I pray thee, to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said unto me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim and Shebna and Joah unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and speak not to us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. (laughs) But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah. For thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of his vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? And have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, that was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent and told him the words of Rabshakeh. I've read to the end of the chapter, and maybe we'll read more after the prayer. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: The Lord is worthy that we bow before Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come into the Holy Presence this morning on this day of rest that Thou hast given to us, the day in which 2,000 years ago we had recently remembered what Jesus did for us when he rose again from the dead on the first day of the week. And we praise thee, Lord, for this great event that was the focal point of all of history when your Son, the Lord Jesus, your only begotten Son, who loved the world so much that he offered his life freely upon the cross of Calvary. But as we sing, death could not keep its prey. He tore the bars away and was resurrected to life by the glory of the Father, your word tells us. He rose again for our justification. He rose again that we could also rise with Him. And so, Father, we give Thee praise and thanks, even now, for being our Redeemer, for being our Savior, for being the one that stood in the gap for us. and took upon your own body our sins that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Lord, we thank thee for your great plan of salvation. And even as we read and have read this morning from the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, who perhaps was one that spoke mostly of the coming Messiah, of the Anointed One, of the Lamb that was slain, that was brought before his shearers, yet he was dumb, that he spoke not a word. Because in speaking not a word, it was deafening to the world, in that he went to his death, though undeserved, yet they saw God hanging on the cross in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You for this great gift of salvation and we pray that there are many more that will accept the blood of the Lamb as the atonement for their sin. O Lord, we pray that as we have heard last week of the confession of young Joshua Flores, in that he has also believed and accepted the Lord Jesus as his Savior that you have uh, made a great change in his life through your Holy Spirit and the word in which he listened to in every week we pray that there will be many more that would come to you to realize that they can lay down their burdens at the foot of the cross and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with the tongue that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. O Lord in heaven, we thank thee that we could come together as a family, as your children, and we pray that you would be with us in a very special way this morning as we listen to your word. We pray that you'd give uh, utterance unto our dear brother as he would expound it, that he as your messenger would Heed the Holy Spirit and be inspired by Him, and that we, as your servants, would open our hearts in a prepared ground to receive the seed in meekness mingled with faith. Father in heaven, we pray for those that could not be with us. For those that are house-bound and bedridden perhaps, we pray that you would be with them and comfort them and strengthen them. We know that there are many that are suffering in our churches, not only here in this continent, but even in Africa and Argentina and all all of our loved ones that we know of and that we do not know of. We are mindful of those that are grieving and still lamenting the loss of loved ones. We pray that you would be with them, that you'd comfort and strengthen them, that you would enter through closed doors as you did with the disciples before you left this earth. And that they would feel your presence and that they would recognize as Thomas did and say, my Lord and my God. Oh Lord, we pray that you would be their comfort, the strength, the healer. We're specifically minded, reminded of Brother Dennis in Zambia. He has been released from hospital, yet we know that it's still not over. And we pray that you would continue to give him healing and strengthening that he may continue the ministry there, which is such a a wonderful cause in helping hundreds of children to feed, to clothe, to to educate. Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with them and bless their mission. Father, we pray for Brother Ruben Garver in in Argentina, that you would be with him and his family and his church, and if it be your will, that you would bring him out of the coma and give him healing, Lord. What is that to you when you have raised the dead, when you have given sight to the blind, you have opened the ears of the deaf? O Lord, as even Isaiah prophesied you would do, you did when you you were here upon this earth for three short years in your ministry. O Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with the Sunday school teachers, the children downstairs, that they would be raised in the fear, the nurture and admonition and the love of God that they would be spared from the the um, evils and hurts of this world, the deception that is out there. Lord, help us to remember that we are in a, a battle, not against flesh and blood, but of, against principalities, against spirits of darkness, against the devil himself. Lord, help us to be mindful that we need not fear when... The Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation and he leads us victoriously for those that would follow him. O oh, Father in heaven, be with us now in this morning hour. Be with those that uh, have not yet made a covenant with thee, with thee Lord. We specially pray for Brother Paul Scala's parents, for Teresa and John. We pray that while there is life, there is hope and you can save in the 11th hour, in the final minute, Lord. We pray for mercy and grace that you would uh, place upon them and they would, their eyes would be opened and they would turn to thee in repentance and the acceptance of your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their Savior. Be with us now, Father. Bless us and keep us. And we give thee all the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that you have done for us, are doing and will do. For these things we pray in his name. Amen.
0: Perhaps you're wondering why we opened to this, or we read from this passage this morning, which is mostly composed of a speech by a man that clearly did not follow the Lord, and I read it perhaps in a tone that was maybe hopefully not too offensive to you, but I imagine that speech was in a lot of that maybe mocking tone that, that um, as this spokesman of this superpower, the Assyrian nation came up and uh, did some psychological, psychological warfare on the, on the children that were in, in Jerusalem. And uh, I think with the Lord's help, we can understand a lot from this passage on how uh, Satan works, uh, what his his means are, and the bigger picture, God's purposes. God's purposes in this. This is not just an attack of the enemy, but this is God's testing and God's proving of his servants. And um, I think there's a lot we can take from that. This passage here is... You know, we opened to the book of Isaiah, and you are probably expecting prophecy. It's a 60, 66 chapter, something like that, a, a large book in the Old Testament full of prophecy, as we heard in the prayer, that, that a good portion of which is not even fulfilled to this day. World-spanning, time-spanning prophecy, prophecy that was fulfilled in that day, prophecy that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, prophecy that's, that's still to come. And yet, in the middle of that big span, you have these few chapters here, of history of just straight-up history historical recounting and there's you can see um, the same account more or less uh, with with pretty much all the same details in um, Second Chronicles and in Second Kings. So why 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 would there be this slice here of, of, of just straight recording of history with as you keep reading on and in, uh, in chapter 37 Isaiah features in this he was the, the writer of this book and he recounts his his role in this I think it points to, um, to me, it shows that the Bible, God's Word, is not some um, high-sounding collection of moralisms or, or some sort of just um, some principles and some high things that sound good, but is it, God's Word is intimately connected with our everyday circumstances, it, it was in that day as Isaiah spoke that word it had immediate effect It was uh, a life-altering life-changing in those decisions that Hezekiah made the prophecies that he gave the word that he gave from the Lord That's the same way it, it ought to be it should be today That's the same way we should approach God's word today as not some nice collection of stories. That, oh, this is a nice historical account But as a living word that God desires to use to interact with us moment by moment day by day uh, in the decisions we make this coming week, in the decisions we make as a church, how are we going to respond to uh, these restrictions and what we're going to to, to do to, to counteract the lies, the deceit of the enemy. So this this passage is interesting. I, I would encourage you to read it, read the parallel passages to see just how uh, this passage man of God, Hezekiah, makes his decisions, how Isaiah interacts. And it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, we read these things and we think, oh, we know how it all turns out. I think it was his father, Hezekiah's father, Ahaz. He had a prophetic word given to him, too, back in Isaiah 7 seven or 8. and and And, and Isaiah said, ask for a sign, show, uh, ask, me for, ask God for a sign, he will do it, he will show you that he can deliver you out of the hand of the Assyrians. And, and Ahaz, Ahaz, I don't know if he was being pious or if he was just being dismissive, he said, no, I won't ask for a sign, I, I, won't, uh, I won't tempt the Lord, I don't, I don't even know what the words, he said exactly. And as a result, Ahaz made a decision, he, he paid tributes to the Assyrians, and he led his nation further and further into idolatry, the, the passages in Chronicles and Kings say he was, he was one of the worst. So it's not a foregone conclusion. When the word of the Lord comes to you, it's not um, it's just going to turn out a certain way. It's, there is a point of decision, a point of, 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 of uh, choosing. And um, that was with Hezekiah, too. He had a point to, of choosing after this passage, too, after that word came from his, his representatives, Eliakim, Shebna, Joah, they, they passed that message on. To to him. He had a choice to how he responded to it Maybe a little context here about the Assyrians um, We live in sanitized civilized times and I thank the Lord for that I have not seen uh, bloodshed and anger These people the Assyrians were probably the the first um, mega power that was expansionist in that 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 they they were intent on conquering other peoples in an in a organized, systematic way. Egypt was a, a, an ancient kingdom, very powerful, but Egypt kind of, it stayed centered around the Nile and would kind of have spheres of influence and things like that. But Assyria was in the game of taking over, and the way they did it was, was a program, a brutal and horrible program of, of psychological warfare and then atrocity after atrocity. I, I won't go into the details, but it involves just um, torture and, and piles of heads and things like that, and they would, they would in advance of the next target, the next group of people, the next ethnic group that they were going to take over, they would make sure that that word got out about their horrible uh, plans and what they were going to do, and um, if, you, if you resisted them, uh, if you prolonged a siege, how much worse it was going to be. This was a horrible group of people, and um, they knew about this the whole northern half israel had already been taken over samaria that's what he refers to here have they delivered samaria out of my hand and um hezekiah knew all this he had his his own father in in terror and in fright had made a deal had a peace he paid tribute to the assyrians and uh and he was subjugated, I'm sure the nation suffered under it. And Hezekiah, in, 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 uh, um, in line with his godly character, he made a decision early on in his reign to stop paying tribute. And it was kind of like um, probably always in the back of his mind this impending, will the Assyrians? I'm having difficulties too. <laughs> I think God is always looking to test us and to bring us to higher grounds, is always proving, always looking to to see where um, we can be conformed more to the image of his son. That's his intent, that's his purpose all along. And we struggle so many times to uh, See that at work. We we react to the circumstances. We see what's happening, and we go, "Oh, here's another here's another um, challenging circumstance. Here's another thing we got to get through. We got to we got to got to bear down and and grind through," and we miss God's plan and His purpose. the 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 message of the of of the New Testament of the Holy Spirit that God is working. He is He has planned all things for good for them that are called according to His purpose. That. That he has predestined those that are following Jesus Christ to be conformed to the image of his son. And I think he is doing that by tests and by trials. That's, the, that's the, his plan for doing it. That's how he's shaping me more like his son. Um, you know, we, maybe we understand that. Hopefully we understand that as parents um, of children that... You know, we, we desire the best for our children and, and hopefully we get far enough along in parenting to realizing that giving my child everything They want and, and just making sure they don't fuss too much That's not going to turn out well. It's only as I Look at their character as I see how they're reacting and see the things that come up that are not so good the, the behaviors that are not that I know that the, you know if they can keep going that way they're gonna have more trouble. As I see that and as I, a as I parent, as I, as I try to help and to, 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 to discipline and do the things that are right, um, that's where I'm really exercising my love and my care as a parent. And I think we underplay that and we miss it um, so often in our own lives and in contemporary Christianity as a whole. Um, there is this, uh, I was just flipping through uh, this morning, uh, um, One of our children's uh, picture books and it's it's nice it has a good message uh, about how God is a good good father and and he uh, there's all these different aspects of his his um his character as a good good father he's a he's a provider a protector um but maybe it was a kid's book they didn't want to get too deep one thing i noticed was missing from that he is a a corrector too he is a chastener he is one that 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 Uh, Is looking for my ultimate best and he will do that through tests and through trials and that that ultimately is the reason that I should be able to rejoice as James says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience that I am being conformed more to to the image of, of 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 Jesus so how does that relate to this passage this message we've heard here I think if we study some of the some of the um, the techniques of testing and of, um, of lies and manipulation, see that's the, the in every situation there is there are two forces at work and and Satan it has his agenda and his thing that he wants, and God over and above that is allowing it, allowing us to be tested, allowing us to be proved and and, and, and shown where and uh, how are we going to respond and god in his his sovereignty and his superiority he can use those lies of satan to test us and to prove us and to make us better and to turn to him this this uh rab, rab Shaka, who was the king's spokesman the king of assyria he he knew the mind of the these uh, israelites he knew What they were thinking, where their temptations were, he brings up Egypt. That was a constant, a constant temptation for them. There was when you're a small little power in the middle of two big powers, Egypt here, Assyria here, you're just a little vassal state. Oh, if you're not with one, you probably should be with the other, right? If if you've opposed, you stop paying tribute to the one. You better make an alliance with the other so that he can come and protect you. And that was a constant. I'm sure Hezekiah's advisors, uh, the people that were around him, were. Constantly pushing that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we at least open some diplomatic channels? Shouldn't we? And actually, Hezekiah, at some point, he he um, he didn't give in to that particular one, but he did give in to um, sending some tribute to appease the Assyrian king. He stripped some gold off the off the doors of the temple, and then thank the Lord. I think he realized that, or maybe the king of Assyria didn't stop him from coming. He realized that that has that had no effect. So this rabshaka, he, he uses truth uh, and, and that's often Satan's tools and his devices is to use partial truth, things that we know to be true about ourselves and put that to us and have us look at that. Just look at this, look at this truth about yourself. You failed, you failed time and time again. Keep looking at that, keep looking at that and we fail to see the bigger truth, the bigger picture That God can provide, that God is able, that God has the power. As we haven't read yet, but as we read the rest of the passage, abundantly clear. You know what happens? Hezekiah comes to Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah gives him a word of encouragement. He then takes a letter from the Assyrians. He lays that before the Lord in the temple and asks and, and prays a beautiful prayer here in, in, in chapter 37, and in one night, 185,000 is, is the, here we go, verse 36 of chapter 37, then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a and score and five thousand, 185,000 troops, and when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses, so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And he ended up being killed by his own sons when he was worshipping in the house of his God. Openly clear, God is able. God has the power to deliver in a spectacular way. What he's asking us is, are we trusting? Are we, are we laying it before him? So, mixing truth about Egypt and... and, and um, you know, you rely on them, but they're, they're like a reed that you're going to put your hand on, and it'll go through. Um, and then he anticipates their response. No, we don't trust in Egypt. We trust in the Lord our God. And then he make, uses some faulty logic that if they would listen to, maybe they would be deceived. You know, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? And said to Judah and to Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar. And indeed, that's what Hezekiah had done. He'd removed the groves, all the, the pagan worship in the land early on in his reign, in a spectacular way, um, a consistent way. He he cut them all down. And now Reb Shaka is using some of this logic and saying, Well, you know, you've reduced the places that you can worship to your God. And maybe maybe he won't listen to you anymore. Maybe this whole thing is a his whole religious reform is is. A, not gonna have the effect that it desires. Of course, this, this Rabshake, he didn't understand the law, he didn't understand God, he didn't understand his purposes. But it's really interesting, at the end of this, verse 10, this, this first speech, he says, "'The Lord said unto me, "'Go up against this land and destroy it.'" And that was, there was truth mixed in there. There were prophecies about the Assyrians coming and punishing at the beginning of Isaiah, prophecies that were fulfilled in Samaria, he could say, you know, the Lord's using me to to inflict you. You're not gonna stand. I'm I'm with the Lord on this. This is the point where we need to run back to God's word. We need to run back to his purposes and see, no, God has a plan, he has a promise. Even in that, in the Torah, in the law, the promises to the children of Israel, if they would turn and repent, God would be merciful. This is the point where you need to remember the truth that he's given you throughout the Bible, that, that when Satan then presents that truth to you and lays it out, this is happening. This punishment is happening because of your sin. You deserved it. It's all your fault. The deeper and the greater truth is God is merciful. God is gracious. God will receive me if I turn to him, if I prostrate myself before him. If I call on his name and cling to nothing else, no Egypt's, no strength of my own hand, God is merciful. That's the greater truth. And my friend outside of Christ, that's the truth you need to grasp. That whatever lies Satan may be, uh, whatever lies mixed with truth he may be presenting to you about your sin and its hold upon you, the greater truth is that there is a merciful, gracious, powerful God. Who can deliver you who will deliver you if you trust in him this fear um, this 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 psychological warfare uh, goes to another level now the, the the representatives of Hezekiah they they say don't speak in the, the Judean language um, you know we could speak in in Syrian in, in in Aramaic I think is the is the language here we can understand it and Rabshakeh turns around and he says do you think the king of Assyria sent me just to speak to you? He's, he wants to speak to all the people here, the people that are going to suffer under this long, long siege. And that's why he uses those crude words there in verse 12. The people that in the end are going to have nothing to eat, the people that will be, be starving. I need to speak those words to them too. And then he, he doubles down. He speaks even louder and more uh, directly to, the, to these people here. This adds another dimension to us, I think, too, to our fear about lies is when other people are involved in this. And when other people, we are concerned about those other people hearing the lies that Satan uh, is feeding and um, that will turn their hearts too. That will cause them to fear. What about the people? Hezekiah could have said, oh, now, you know, what, what's going to happen to the people? What, are they going to support me? Maybe I need to make a decision that's going to um, make things um, A little bit easier for my people. Maybe I'll I'll say something nice to him and appease him shortly or pay tribute. All he had to do really probably was 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 acquiesce, not not uh, to open the gates of the city. And um, looks like These people were also trusting the Lord, but they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was answer him not. These people knew who Hezekiah was. He had a testimony of, of, of integrity, of honesty. The people trusted him in a, you know, where, where the rational person would probably be going, it's time to get out of here, let's leave. They stuck with him. And so uh, his, his representatives come back to him with this message uh, with their clothes rent. And Hezekiah does that too. He rents his clothes. He, he really genuinely felt that. And I think there's nothing wrong with us um, being honest about our feelings when we are confronted when we're faced with a great trial or, or a test when we are uh, Know that there's no way I can get around this. How are how are we going to survive this? What sort of damage are we going to take from this trial? It's all right to be honest with God to rent our clothes as it were to come before him to lay Our concerns and our and our prayers before him this is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. This is what Hezekiah is, is, is saying to Isaiah. This is how I feel. You know, we're like a, like a woman in, in, in labor and I cannot deliver the child. Uh, this is the, the strait I'm in. It may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, has sent to reproach the living God and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, calling on prayer, turning to the Lord, calling out to him in the face of great trial and great test. I think we read this account and we go, wow, that's that's a, a great trial and a great test. What is that? How does that apply to me in my current circumstances I think sometimes we don't realize that the tests and the trials could be long-term and stretched out and not immediately apparent Um, Yeah, I'll relate a a story to you and you may not see the connection immediately, but it's not even really a story it's an anecdote of my youngest is obsessed with this little pink computer that's at Oma's and uh, uh, he uh, talks about it. He'd been talking about it at home. When he's gonna go to Oma's, he's gonna see this pink computer and, and uh, he likes it a lot. And, and I didn't understand what's the obsession with it and whatever and why he's so, he likes it. And it wasn't until I got home where I was talking with my wife and she said, well, he really likes it because that's what you do all day. You sit on a computer. And uh, that's his thing. You know, he's got a computer now too. And I'm not saying sitting on the computer doing your job is wrong. And I, I don't have any, any, any guilt about that. But it's so obvious just from that little anecdote how much my little son at a young age is, is looking to me and following me and, 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 and is imitating me in the things I do. And what am I showing him? That is a test. That's a test of what's in me and what my my character consists of. The things that I'm going to pass on to my children. That's a long-term test. That's a, as long as as I'm alive, I guess, and my children are alive, they're going to be looking in some way, in some form to me and uh, how I react to things. And I know as parents, we do realize that with time, that as our kids grow up, oh, I see that thing in them. That's some of me that I passed on that I didn't intend to pass on. And here again, this is part of the being conformed to the image of Christ is that I, I, my prayer for myself is that I would be conformed more so that my kids would imitate that. So that's a long-term test that then will come to these moments of, of, of trial and, and, and great testing where we're pushed, where the lies of Satan are coming fast and furious. So what's our response in all this? How do we respond number one, to the onslaught of the enemy, his lies, discerning his lies, where he is leading us away, but number two, to, to, to the bigger picture of God's shaping of my life, God's working of me, of his transformation of me into the image of his son. I think God wants us, when we recognize that, what, what's going on, to rejoice, to actually to be, to be joyful in trials. That's what James says. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, on the basis of faith, on the basis of what you know, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that is right after that. If I'm not seeing this in my situation, if I'm not seeing that in... Um, in what I'm experiencing, what we are experiencing, I need to ask God for wisdom to see that, to respond in the right way. I need to ask God, who will give it to me liberally, and I need to ask it in faith God, show me how you are working your will in this situation. Show it to me. I, I desire that. I want to rejoice in your trials and in your testing. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. That's the that's the end goal. That's the the the, the big picture. And another passage I'm I'm thinking of here is in First Peter. This beautiful arc. By arc I mean uh, uh, This arc of hope. The shape of hope. You know that he talks about. We've been got, we now in Christ Jesus. We know, we know what happened on on that Easter morning. We have a an abundant mercy. He's begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Inheritance incorruptible, undefiled. We have a promise in heaven, something reserved for us. We greatly rejoice. Verse six. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So that hope that we have, if there's an ark, there's it needs to go through these manifold, these heavy temptations. That the trial of your faith. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the Appearing of Jesus Christ. This should be a cause of hope for me Seeing this whole big arc of God's purpose in me as I've embraced Christ, as I believed him trusted in him his, his resurrection his saving power and now I see That same trust and that same hope working through temptations through trials For his glory For his praise, God is being magnified in all of this. Oh, that should really cause me to rejoice. How much do I love the Lord? Am I willing to rejoice in in the things that that cause me, uh, that the natural man says, this is miserable. This is a waste of time. This is not worth it. This is redounding to God's glory and his honor as I trust him, as I look to him in faith. That's the question I think that we need to, to be left with for, for my brother and sister this morning. The trial that you're facing, whatever it may be, um, are you going to just hang your head and, and think this is not worth it? I just have to get through it. This is a not, um, how is this part of God's plan? Or am I going to have the faith that says, whatever I'm going through, whatever the circumstance that I'm experiencing right now, this is a trial of my faith. This is something that is working for me a far greater weight of glory, as Paul says. Am I going to rejoice in that? I'm going to choose to rejoice in that? Doesn't mean I have to put on a fake happy face or anything like that. But as I prostrate myself before the Lord, the God, the, the one who dwells between the cherubim, who who is lifted up high and holy, I will see that. I will I will get to I will be able to rejoice in his goodness as I see him. And that's indeed what happened. My friend outside of Christ, uh, you do not have that foundation. You do not have that that firm hope uh, that will allow you to withstand. You are not like that man who built his house upon the solid rock and the winds and the rains came. You're like the man that built your house upon sand. And uh, trials and tests will cause it to collapse. You need to embrace the word of God in all its fullness for you, in all its power from the Old Testament to the New, um, and watch it transform you and change you. May the Lord bless His word.